This is Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel. Welcome to the Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success podcast, where we talk with marketing and agency executives and learn how they build successful businesses and their personal brand. I'm your host, Stefan Horst. Today, I'm happy to have as our guest, Daniel Healy. Daniel is the Chief Strategy Officer at Way to Blue, a global communications agency. He has over 15 years digital marketing experience, working with companies like 20th Century Fox, Disney, Warner Brothers, and NBC Universal, to mention just a few. He runs the Way to Blue US business and is responsible for developing campaign strategies that help Way to Blue clients successfully engage with their target audience. Daniel, great to have you on the show. Thanks, Stefan. It's a pleasure to be here. Daniel, you know, let's get started talking about how you got into advertising. Um, what led you to this point in your career where you are at the moment? Um, it's interesting. So like many people, um, I didn't necessarily um, have an ambition as a small child to end up in this place, but um, here I am. I uh, I studied English at university, uh, went traveling for a couple of years after that, and wound up working uh, back in London in a bar and sharing a flat with a really good friend of mine who worked in recruitment. And uh, a job came across her desk one day uh, to work in television advertising. And um, I was quite keen to get out of working late nights in a bar. So um, she put me forward for the job. And I got it and um, ended up sort of in this world which was quite alien to me. Um, but I knew that I loved it. And um, I worked for a number of different advertising firms, both on the media owner and agency side for, for a few years in London. Uh, I then transitioned to, to film. I uh, worked for an exhibitable view in the UK for a number of years as their head of marketing. I've always been very passionate about film. It's an area that I've always loved and found myself in that space. By this stage, I'd kind of progressed to a fairly senior role um, on the marketing side. And um, I then decided to give uh, the agency side of the world a go. I had some very good friends that worked in agencies and they'd been saying to me for many years that it would be an environment they thought I would enjoy and excel in. And uh, so I joined a small um, agency called Digital Outlook, which was an entertainment marketing creative agency. And uh, from there, I moved to, to Way to Blue. And I've been at Way to Blue for uh, literally six years. My anniversary at Way to Blue was last week. Oh, congratulations to that. Thank you. Um, that sounds like an interesting journey. So you come, you came more from a from a client side, and then moved over to the agency side. Um, I think I these days a lot of people think about moving from the agency, the crazy agency environment, and going client side. Um, from your perspective, um, what are the big differences uh, that you have kind of experienced coming from client and moving to the agency side? I think some of the obvious things um, when you work agency side is the variety of uh, both clients and uh, types of projects that you get involved in. So I find myself um, on any given day jumping between five, six different areas of client business, different types of projects, whether they be um, different film genres, um, different audiences, different entertainment products, whether it's direct-to-consumer, theatrical, home entertainment. So working agency side, um, and that's just within the film sector, there's a huge amount of variety in terms of what you can what you can cover. But one thing I think I miss from a client-side perspective is the 
sort of end-to-end ownership um, of a product. I mean, sometimes it can be a little bit frustrating because on the agency side, you only get to work on one small part of uh, a product portfolio or a marketing campaign. And, and at times that can be a bit frustrating, but the variety is the kind of big difference, I think, and something that I particularly enjoy. That's a, that's a, that's a good point. So, you know, I think not getting the entire overview of what happens with, with a project you're working on, only having a piece of it, um, can sometimes be, um, you know, a little bit disappointing or challenging. I mean, at least for myself, when I used to work for big agencies uh, back in London um, and, and run the performance marketing campaign, it, it always felt great to see the results, but you were just one tiny little part in the entire picture for a company like MasterCard. Um, and, and you never really saw the entire impact that it, actually the entire marketing part has. Definitely. So I think as a, as a client, one thing that I always really encouraged my agency partners to do was to get as closely or as closely involved in, in, in my business as possible. So when I was working for Camelot, when I was working for View, um, when I was working at ITV in the, in the UK, I, I always brought all of my agencies together and ensured that they had a really clear and deep understanding of the, of the business. And therefore, now as an agency professional, I enjoy working with clients that pull me right into the heart of their business. I think ultimately, you know, communications and marketing are fortunate enough to sit at the top table. Um, and essentially, they are um, key drivers of business success. And in order to be able to achieve that, you need to understand holistically what a business is trying to deliver um, and where it's going. So the closer involvement that agency partners can get with client-side business, the better. And you know where you've got good, strong um, collaborative relationships between agency and client, and there are no barriers to knowledge, then I think you ultimately end up with a, a better result. But certainly as a client, it was something I've really pushed my agencies to do, to truly absorb themselves and, and understand the dynamics of the business that I was, that I was operating within. And, and I think it delivered good results. So have you seen with, with the clients that you worked on in the past and the clients you're currently working on that they kind of embraced that point of view, that, that, you know, that approach to, to provide the bigger picture rather than just keeping you, you know, in your little silo? It's a mixed bag, to be honest. I think I'm, I'm really fortunate at the moment because I've built strong relationships with many of the clients that I'm lucky enough to work with here in here in LA. It takes time to build relationships that are obviously based of, based upon trust and and, and a, a kind of shared understanding of objectives. But I'm I'm lucky that I work with, with clients who do embrace that um sort of shared perspective. I think through through my career, whether it's by luck or by design, I have sort of found myself um drawn to sort of like minded people and you know the clients that I'm fortunate enough to work with are people that are probably similar to, to me in terms of outlook and um they've embraced that desire on my side and, and certainly on my team's side here to get truly involved in the uh, in the business objectives as much as the marketing and the communications and um you know there are some probably notable examples where as an agency you get pulled in sometimes last minute or sometimes with a very, very specific task to do. Um, and as you say, it's in a, perhaps in a silo or, or in a box. And, and that's okay too, because life as an agency is, is such that, you know, you take these opportunities and, and they're all enriching in different ways. But I think the, the greatest success that I've seen is where, you know, agency partners are fully embedded um, in, in a client business and they truly understand what's going on. And, and, and most of the clients I work with seem to share that view, which is, which is, as I say, a fortunate thing. Great. So when you shared your 
uh, your bio with me um, earlier, you know, I, I read that you basically, one could say, established the U.S. office for Way to Blue. Um, I think you, you grew the office from originally three people to now 25 plus people. Um, so in your view, what are the keys to building an agency that drives you? Um, the people are the heart of this agency, so it's it's essential to make sure that you get the right ingredients. Um, and I will be very honest and say that you know there have probably been during the last three years of, of growing this agency from sort of three to twenty five people, uh, there have been a couple of misfires. But the chemistry between those people is incredibly important. I've tried to find people who have a combination of skills and interests. So people who join the team here at Way to Blue, they might come from a creative background or a media background or an insight and research background, um, but they'll also have a, an interest in broader kind of integrated marketing. So for example, um, there are quite a few people that work in my creative team, whether they be video editors or graphic designers or producers who have a strong interest in data and insight. They haven't worked necessarily in that space, and it's not their own area of expertise, but they've got a passion and an interest for that. And in doing so, um, you create quite interesting combinations of people. So perhaps somebody who sits in my research team will go and spend some time with one of our designers. And together, if they're working on a project, they're developing a piece of creative that's insight-driven. If that understanding of where they come from and their, their own kind of special skills is brought together quite naturally because you've got people who are inquisitive and understanding broader things about the marketing mix, then I think you get a better result. Now, like I say, it's not all been uh, smooth sailing and there have been some misfires, but finding the right types of people for me has been integral to success. So I'd, I'd put people as number one. Um, secondly, client relationships, sort of not to be underestimated. They, they, they don't just appear from nowhere they take time to build uh, there have been some uh, long-standing client relationships that i inherited here in the us and have then taken on and built for myself and others that i've that i've started from scratch but i would say in most instances there is a you know there's a period of, of courtship and getting to know one another and certainly seeing if you're aligned in terms of your view of the world and how marketing works what you want to achieve and then you know once you've passed all those kind of gating factors in the professional relationship then opportunities start to manifest and you get a chance to, to show what you can do. But it can take, you know, six, nine, 12 months. Patience has been very, very key. I think trying to um, truly get to those most valuable client relationships, there has to be an understanding that that doesn't happen overnight. It's taken time to, to build those relationships up. So, so I would say that they are probably the two most important things. What would you say to someone that struggles with building those strong relationships, those strong client relationships? What is your approach to that so that you're able, you know, within six to nine months, create a situation where the client trusts your opinion, trusts your recommendation, uh, and basically sees you as that valuable partner they hired you for? Um, every client is different, and um, I, I start every relationship um, from scratch. I, I, I don't assume to know anything about their business or their objectives. I, I, I try to take, a, I guess, a more of a listening approach when I'm in the early stages of, of forming a relationship. But there are certainly people out there that I sort of actively kind of targeted because they work for organizations that, that Waiter Blue wants to work with. 
Um, I'll make sure that I've done my research. I mean, most importantly, understanding that client as an individual and also the business that they operate in. So, um, you know, obvious things like um, previous movie releases that they've worked on, uh, campaigns that they've worked on, forthcoming releases, and trying to draw my own experience to to create a narrative that that kind of is 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 of benefit so I'll, I'll find those kind of opportunities and so i'll make sure that when i'm going in and trying to build a relationship i've done my research and i you know i've looked at where they've come from and, and what their um sort of forthcoming movie projects may be but then for me it's it's about you know asking questions and, and listening I, I try very hard to spend more time listening than talking certainly in the early stage of a relationship uh, it's essential to me that I get a good understanding of um, of their business and, and what they're trying to achieve. And as I've mentioned a couple of times, that alignment thing is, is, is something I'm very passionate about, sort of working with people that share the same sort of vision. And from there, um, I, I believe it's it's a question of finding the kind of relevant moments um, to, to reach out. Um, you know, I try and avoid just sending emails to people to say, hey, you know, it's me. I'm still here. Fancy catching up? I'll, I'll find an opportunity that's that's, that's relevant. And um, and again, that sometimes involves a little bit of groundwork. Um, but I usually find that it that it that it pays off, and and it and it just sort of makes for a more authentic and and, and genuine reason to reach out and build a relationship. But I think it it, it takes time, and uh, unless you're fortunate enough to be in a position where you are needed immediately to um, come in and deliver a project, and that has happened on a couple of occasions. People have reached out to us and said, we urgently need X, Y, and Z, whether that be a research course or some creative efforts or a strategy or some social media community management, whatever it might be, we have taken on those jobs. But the more valuable ones tend to be things that have built up over time. Okay, that's great. You mentioned earlier, you know, people are kind of a key component. Obviously, you need a strong team in order to deliver you know, marketing services and solutions to clients. Um, in the first place, that they love you. Um, if you fail doing that, then you know your your client service uh, experience and, and skills might not help you out in, in kind of overcoming issues if there are you know performance issues, quality issues, or delivery issues. So, for small and medium-sized agency, um, it's usually quite difficult or challenging. Let's put it that way to um, to build a team that can deliver several marketing or digital marketing solutions without breaking the bank. Um, you know, the challenge today is that talent is expensive. So how do you build a strong team without breaking the bank at way to blue? Yeah, we're fortunate enough to be part of a group. So you mentioned at the beginning, but my 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 role um, as one of the board directors at Waiter Blue is um, is chief strategy officer, and um, and I oversee um, eight of our offices globally. We have resources available that cover the core disciplines um, that we deliver as an agency. So publicity, social media, uh, creative insight research, and media planning and buying. And we we have resources. To deliver those services in, in multiple different offices. So in the early days when we were setting up um, the business here, and, and although you mentioned before, I've, I've, in the last couple of years I've built this business from three to 25 people, it's probably the sort of second or third version of the US business that we've had. We, we had other teams here in the past and we decided to sort of move on from those people. So this is the, the sort of new version of Way to Blue, but what I did in the, in the early stages 
was to lean quite heavily on resources in other parts of our business. So whether that be the creative resource that we had in our Sydney office or our London office, uh, publicity resources that we had in our European offices and, and also again in our London HQ. Um, and that helped enormously um, in the early days so that we were able to get some um, some revenue and, uh, and then use that revenue to invest in building a domestic team. So we take a, a fairly um, cautious and transparent approach to investments. We'll ensure that we are investing wisely and bringing people in uh, where we have business to um, fill their time uh, because ultimately as an, as an agency we are uh, charging for our time that is our that's our product so it's essential for us that we invest wisely and um, we tend to do that in quite a methodical way we don't make these sort of knee-jerk decisions um, but but as I mentioned before we have the Flexibility, which has been very, very useful to lean on resources elsewhere across the Waiter Blue Group. We have about 100 employees in total, and we've got about 25 here in uh, here in Los Angeles. So the um, the beauty, however, has been being able to give back as we've built the team here. So um, where suddenly our Sydney office or our London office or our Madrid office may suddenly get a brief in and need some assistance and some help. Now that I've got a bigger domestic team here, we've been able to kind of give back, which, is, which has been good. So that was one thing that, uh, that helped. I mean, secondarily, um, finding uh, young and uh, ambitious talent has been really key to us as well. Um, you know, we often find ourselves in a position where you know, we, we can't pay the kind of salaries that, that the studios pay, for example, for, for comparable roles. So, but if you, you know, work to find um, sort of younger, more enthusiastic, hungry talent who will maybe come and give you 12 months or 18 months of service, um, that's, that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm not expecting people to come and dedicate um, the next 10, 15 years of their life to, to working here, but to come here to get the opportunity to work on some of the great and cool things that we do, um, gain some experience and then, and then move on, I think is, is, is fine. I've got a core of people that have been with us all the way, and that consistency has been really invaluable as well. We have a lot of benefits as an organization. So, you know, uh, in addition to salaries, we, we offer a, um, a fairly flexible approach to, to work and there are sort of softer benefits that we offer as an organization. Um, we, we've looked really closely at the market and making ourselves competitive in order to be able to afford the right type of talent and create the right type of environment. I would say that it's, it's hardworking, but it's fun. We're not the sort of agency that has people here burning the midnight oil on a regular basis. There'll be ad hoc occasions where, you know, there's a big deliverable the next day and, um, you know, maybe people have to um, call out for pizzas and work until late, but that really is quite unusual. Um, for the most part, you know, it's about kind of working hard within the working day. Um, we have a lot of fun as well. We try and do sort of social things with people outside of outside of work on a fairly regular basis. Um, and um, we have perks like if you stay here for within a year, you get additional vacation days and various other things like that, plus all the standard kind of perks of 401k and uh, health cover and things that are offered. So it's about creating a, a total package that's going to attract the right types of people to, to the business. If people are purely driven by the salary and the and, and, and the and the figure that sort of sits on their on the, on their paycheck, then um, 
you know that's that's fine and that that's we have we have people here that, that are like that but there are also other people that, that work here because of the broader benefits that we offer as a company there's global mobility here too which is which has been a great thing so we're able to offer people the ability to go and work in paris or london or berlin um we can offer people from those offices the opportunity to come and work in la which we've done a few times over the last couple of years we've had people here for three months six months on secondment so um there are there are benefits to working here beyond just the paycheck. Oh, that sounds really interesting. Um, I'm I'm sure that the people that work for Waiter Blue um, really appreciate the, the variety of of advantages compared to compared to other mid-sized, bigger agency. Having worked at global agencies myself, I know that you know when you're here, um, we usually don't have our our people bring the midnight oil. Um, it's, it's nothing you would hear at a global agency where you have 50, 60 hours on average, um, and then that's just normal. So it's, it's great to hear that that you guys have found a way to kind of you know balance workload out. I guess with what you said, you very seldom get into a situation where you have to look for an outside partner to help you overcome, for example, staff shortage, for example, or you win a new business and there are certain services that um, you might not have strong enough people. Um, do you have those kind of situation um, at Way to Blue? And, and if so, how do you overcome that? We have in the past. Um, yeah, there have been occasions where we've we've suddenly got very busy. We've been fortunate enough to to win maybe sort of two or three big campaigns, and they've all hit at the same time. And there are naturally going to be pain points because. The, the core team of people that are here are suddenly going to find themselves um, a bit more stretched. So on the creative side, we found it fairly easy because there's a big network of, of um, really talented freelancers in this market in particular for creative services. Um, so whether they be for uh, delivering sort of graphic design, um, video editing, motion graphics, um, we've been able to tap into that freelance pool and we um, we do that a lot. So um, we, we actually at one point, we had a very trusted circle of freelancers that we went out to on a regular basis. They were sort of, you know, semi-permanent. We've actually, we've got one freelancer who delivers incredible illustration work for us um, and she's based in Serbia. Uh, but her talents are extraordinary and we use her on a very regular basis. We have a another designer who's based in Singapore who we pull in and use for very specific types of projects um, and also plenty of others here in LA that we'll sort of lean upon as and when we, we need them. So we've never outsourced um, wholesale. Like I've, I've got friends who run agencies here who outsource creative services to other markets um, in Asia, for example. We've never found ourselves in a position where we've needed to or wanted to do that. Um, but we use a combination of permanent resource um, and and freelancers. So that's the creative space. And, and, and that's been sort of fairly, I guess, straightforward. There, there, are, there are strong and well-established networks that you can tap into. Uh, with other services, um, it's more challenging because you don't necessarily have a uh, a, a pot of freelancers that are research specialists or media planning specialists that you can tap into, certainly not at the sort of junior or, or entry level. So um, there are challenges there. And again, I think what I've had to do on all of those occasions is, is lean on my teams elsewhere to help us out temporarily while we've recruited for roles um, to fulfill some of those 
some of those other disciplines. So it's a bit of a, a mixed bag in terms of an answer, but it depends really on the type of work that we're winning. We're, we're an integrated agency, so we do lots of different things. And um, I guess the solutions in terms of people uh, will differ based upon the type of service that we're needing to fill quickly. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so you mentioned freelancers. Um, it sounds like on the on the on the on the creative side, you have a pool of people that you probably, as you said, you worked for a longer period of time with. So therefore, you know what they, uh, you know, what their output is. On on the on the media side, uh, it sounds like you know you don't necessarily have a pool. You might have to go to other offices and to get that sorted. Have you have you used systems like freelancer Upwork to source talent? I have actually, yeah, Upwork um, on a couple of occasions, and uh, I believe ooh, I think Creative Circle is another one that we've used too. Which interestingly, even though it's called Creative Circle, there there are people with with other types of marketing backgrounds on that space. So yeah, we have ta we have tapped into those um, into those resources. I think we've tended to use um, our own personal networks. Um, I'm again sort of fortunate enough to have um, some pretty well connected millennials that work for me here, but people who've got good networks of their own and um, on many occasions people have been able to reach out to friends and friends of friends, um, former colleagues um, to find to find people. We use LinkedIn a lot and then yes, yeah, some of the services that you mentioned up Upwork we've definitely used in the past and Creative Circle as well. Um, we would tend to go all of those routes before using uh, traditional recruiters um, just purely because of the cost associated with doing that. Okay, great. So, you know, when we had a conversation prior to the, uh, the podcast, you had mentioned that, you know, one of your passions besides watching lots of movies, which probably comes with the fact that, you know, your agency works with a lot of film studios, um, is integrated digital marketing. So mm. how, how do you bring all the disciplines together under one roof to deliver integrated solutions to your clients? Um, yes, uh, so this is something I am I am very passionate about. Um, I'd like to think I'm passionate about it because I believe uh, in the in the power of, of you know one plus one equals three. Um, I think also part of the reason I'm so passionate about integrated is that I do come from a client side background. I have been a marketing director and a head of marketing uh, in client side roles in the past, and obviously in those uh, in those positions, you're overseeing and controlling the entire marketing mix for a company. So, I've come from a background where I'm very used to looking at media, advertising, publicity, digital, direct, whatever it may be, um, through the same lens. And so, I'm very passionate about the, the power of seeing all of those things together. I think you make smarter investment decisions when you're looking at things from an integrated perspective you're you're able to um sort of dull certain things up and down depending upon the the objectives or what it is you're trying to achieve so from an agency perspective i um two things really i i think one i wanted to work for an agency that believed in integration and and uh when i met the team at way to blue six years ago that was something that was uh definitely um uh, that where i was very aligned with with way to blue's vision so i felt that you know, way to blue was a good place for me to, to to develop my career in that sense um but integrated is a is, is about sort of a way of thinking as much as it is about um a set of services so i think Integrated for me is about taking a step back and understanding where the service that you're delivering for a client 
fits into the bigger picture. It goes back to what I was saying before about the importance of understanding the um, the context uh, in where, where, where marketing sits within business making, uh, sorry, business decision making. Uh, I think it comes down to the same thing with services. So if if you're delivering creative or delivering insight or delivering media, it's important to understand where that sits in the broader sort of marketing and communications mix um, and how it's working alongside other things. So uh, where we're fortunate enough, and we are in many cases, to deliver fully integrated services, um, certainly in the digital space, there are many clients that I have here where we deliver um, strategy, research and insights, measurement and evaluation, creative assets, media planning and buying, social media strategy, community management. We're delivering all of those services for a number of our clients here, and that's a, a joyful position to be in because we're able to see a big picture in terms of what's going on. We're able to make recommendations and evaluate things um, far more quickly. We can, we can make very efficient decisions because upstairs in my office, we've got a fully kind of open plan environment my creative team sit next to my research team. They sit next to the people that do community management. They sit next to the people that are running strategy. And conversations happen in the office in a really, just a natural and kind of organic way. So we, we kind of sit people together around client teams so that uh, the researcher, the designer, the strategist, the community manager, they're all kind of sitting you know, within, within earshot of one another. Um, and people, teams will come together on a regular basis to share information, discuss success criteria, performance of campaigns, um, and all of that information um, being kind of brought together under, under one roof means that all of the people in my team have a much greater understanding of how we're performing from a, from a digital marketing perspective as opposed to just a creative or just a publicity or just a, just a social media perspective. So it's that kind of bigger picture piece. I'm, I'm passionate about it because I, I, see the, I see the value at all times. There are a couple of clients that we're working on um, at the moment where paid media and organic creative content um, is all kind of happening under one roof. So conversations are happening in real time about the opportunity to invest media money behind creative assets that are working organically. So if we can see that something's popping uh, on, a, on a social media campaign, if we can see that people are sharing content and if they're engaging with it, we can invest media money behind it to give it greater reach and exposure and try and amplify that uh, result over a sort of much, much bigger user base. Those types of decisions cannot be recommended or taken if those services are happening in different offices or different geographical locations. So there's real value in bringing all of this stuff together in one place. Um, and when it works, it's, 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 it's magical and delivers really good results. It sounds like you have a really good setup of having, you know, being able to have kind of maybe not dedicated people that work on, on one individual project because, uh, but you know, you're, you're still at a size, I guess, where it's quite easy, you know, you're, you're all sitting, obviously, I think, in a, in a big open office to get everyone around the table and talk about, you know, what, what is the strategy going to look like? Um, what's the creative going to look like? What media channels or what channels are going to be used in order to deliver the message? And then, you know, once, once data is collected and the optimization starts to kind of have everyone together again to exchange the information uh, in order to get an even greater output. 
You're absolutely right. And we are probably at a specific point in terms of our size at the moment where we can do that. We're, we're all able to sit together in one room and I can group people around different types of client business. And, and it, it does work quite beautifully. But if we grow here to 50 or 80, then that's probably not going to, the same model won't necessarily work. The way in which I think I would change things at that stage is to just remember the core purpose of why we're here ultimately, which is to deliver campaigns for our clients. So I would be grouping uh, or sitting people together in groups around client business. I, I, I think I think getting groups of people together who understand client business is more valuable and delivers a better result than sitting people together by discipline. So I would try very much to continue that sort of model of um, of bringing those different integrated marketing disciplines together around a, a sort of particular piece of client business. Um, that's the bit that seems to be working particularly well. Very interesting. So, you know, you, you create those integrated marketing campaigns, um, but, you know, People not only cons or let's put it that way. Um, let's have a cut here. Um, I want to say something else actually? Okay. People not only consume different media types before making buying decisions, but they also use different devices throughout the day, week, and month. So you you talked about how you know how you set up your team uh, in order to obviously deliver uh, integrated marketing campaigns, but how do you measure the success of those campaigns when people are across so many different devices, when they use so many different media channels to collect information before they take an action? Um, I mean, measurement is something that we talk about all the time, and we talk about it um, with people from our creative team, from our social media team, from our strategy team, and from our research team. So, measurement is is so, is so important, and 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 you know, for, for me, it's the it's the reason that we exist. So, the purpose of a, uh, an agency that provides marketing services is ultimately to to drive an end result. And in the case of the industry that we work in, predominantly, not exclusively, but predominantly, being film. Um, ultimately, success is measured by by box office, and whether or not a film is a success is is largely judged on its um, opening weekend, if not its performance over a longer period of time, if it's fortunate. So, um, I think it's important to keep that in mind, actually, and it's something that we discuss a lot internally, rem reminding reminding myself as much as reminding the team as to what we're doing this for. So if we're working on a campaign, it can be a quick campaign that lasts for a couple of weeks. It can be three months or six months. It can be a, a very, very long-term strategy. But keeping that end goal in mind all the time and ensuring that we're, that we're talking about it and that we're evaluating whether or not something is the right or wrong thing to, to do and recommend on the basis of whether or not it's going to hit the objectives that we're trying to achieve is really important. So we talk about measurement a lot and we talk about keeping the end goal in mind. Now, the end goal may be a sale, but it might be something else. It might be to get someone to visit a website or to download uh, an augmented reality app, a couple of things that we've been working on just in the past few days. Uh, or to purchase a product or, or whatever. So wh wh whatever it might be. So I think for us ensuring that you've got the right um, sort of measurement in place to say whether or not you've been a success is important because there have been times in the past where, where I've been asked to demonstrate whether or not something has been a success. 
but without having access to the data that could possibly indicate whether it has been or not. So it's important to talk about it at the beginning of the process and to ensure that you've, you've got the right um, access to the right uh, metrics and data um, to, to measure whether or not something has been a success by, by achieving its end goals. So we, we, we talk about this quite a lot at the beginning, middle and end of a, end of a process. Um, and ensuring that you're understanding the very complex journeys that kind of go on down purchase funnels these days as well and that things are not things are not linear and i talk to my team about this quite a lot so we may uh, be responsible for delivering something that we would like um a consumer to to perform an action and then ultimately that they will, they will make a purchase or they will download something well the reality is that people don't sort of operate in that kind of marketing funnel business in the real world so keeping an eye on on other factors that, that exist um around uh, around that world are very important I, I was fortunate enough maybe about 10 years ago to um have a crash course in econometric modeling and understand the importance of how all of those multiple different variables uh, in, the, in the marketing mix and in the real world exist that ultimately will decide whether or not something has been a success in delivering um, an end result. And, and I keep that in mind all the time that, you know, there are, there are things that can knock you off your path at the last minute, whether it be a competitor or whether, whether it can be a change in the weather or a big sporting event or, or something that can just change consumers' behavior patterns. Ultimately, with the very best will in the world, it might mean that they deviate from the path that you wanted them to follow. So uh, we, we talk about that in the context of measurement all the time and making sure that we've truly understood all of the different variables that might affect success. But talking about it up front during and after is really important. I think mistakes in measurement often come where you don't start talking about it until after the campaign is completed. Um, and then you're trying to scrabble around and find data to sort of retrospectively answer questions that you should have asked at the beginning. Very interesting. Um, I wish we would have more time. I, I definitely have so many more questions <laughs> oh. for you, but unfortunately, um, we're kind of uh, moving towards the end of, of the time allocated. Um, but before I let you go, I have, I have two more questions for you. So the first one is, where do you see opportunities to get out in front of a trend that everyone will be doing in the future? So, so what, are the, what are the marketing solutions activities that you know might be slow at the moment but that will be important in the future i think something something very interesting is going on in the world of influencers at the moment uh, it's something that we've been um observing observing very closely uh we've been working in the influencer space as an agency for the last couple of years delivered some incredibly successful campaigns in this space. Uh, there's, there's a lot of publicity, um, in fact, coming out of Canline this, this year about um, influencers and about the discipline kind of growing up and being measured more effectively. Uh, it's very interesting for me because I think one of the things that people focus on incorrectly with regard to influencers is that they are just another awareness-driving um, volume opportunity to, to reach large numbers of people with, with a message. Personally, something that we've been experimenting with uh, with a number of our most trusted clients for quite some time is working with micro-influencers, um, people who are um, probably more attuned to audience engagement than they are to volume of audience. And we've seen some incredibly powerful results from working with influencers that may not have millions and millions of followers 
but they have a very high quality, highly engaged following. Um, they have, um, I guess, a much more authentic and real connection to their audience than some of the bigger influencers, not all, but, but some. And so that, that kind of micro influence area is something that uh, we've been certainly ahead of ahead of the curve. We've been working in this space for quite some time. We have uh, a couple of examples actually where we've worked with, with micro influencers with very specialist skills. There was a, a 20th Century Fox movie called Assassin's Creed from a couple of years ago. And uh, we were working with an artist who creates these incredible flipbook animations. Uh, they're sort of stop motion flipbook animations. They're, they're beautiful. We subsequently worked with the same person on a couple of other titles, um, more recently Kingsman last year and um, and the Alien franchise for the um, anniversary mm-hmm. of Alien this year. And through creating a really beautiful piece of art with this micro-influencer, um, it was picked up by some editorial outlets and organically this uh, one piece of content that was created and posted organically without any media support behind it achieved over 53 million views on youtube in under 24 hours um it was it was picked up by an editorial outlet because it was a beautiful piece of content but that came about through finding a very very authentic micro influencer who didn't necessarily have a large following of their own but had a great skill and something that particularly matched the narrative of the campaign and the story that we were trying to, to tell and in creating something beautiful it was picked up by editorial outlets and achieved far greater reach than anything would have done had we worked with a bigger influencer with, with, with more followers. So that that space is interesting to me, and we, we, we have some other successes there too. And, and the other one I would say for me I'm very passionate about is that um, filmmakers, um, studios, film producers, they really need to think about marketing much, much earlier in the process and where you can bring marketing into play at the outset, before you go on set, before you, you start rolling the cameras and capturing the film, everyone's very focused on um, the production, and rightly so at that stage, but bringing, bringing marketers and people that think about the way in which content can be acquired and captured and used in the marketing campaign into that process much earlier achieves great results. And again, fortunate enough to have a couple of strong case studies that, that prove that point. Great. So the, the second question is, you know, we all need to, in the marketing environment, we all need to catch up with what, what is hot out there and need to kind of, you know, fine-tune our skills and constantly learn. Um, what are the three sources of marketing information, whether that's website, blogs, or any other source, that, you, that are your go-to places to keep you up to date? Oh, that's, uh, that's interesting. I mean, I, I use the, um, the obvious places that I guess a lot of other marketers do, sort of TechCrunch and Mashable and Marketing Week. And, um, you know, I'm st- I continue to be really impressed with the quality of editorial on, on, on those sites. I think, you know, as, uh, uh, as, as time's gone on, they've, uh, they've become sort of better and, and better. Uh, I'm not a huge follower uh, of, of, I'm not a huge Twitter user, I, I, I'm on there, I, I sort of dabble in and out of it. Some of the most valuable pieces of insight that I've picked up have been from the people that work in my team over the last two years, particularly since I've worked here. I said beginning of the um, meeting that assembling the right group of people has been really important and integral to our success here and um, that very much comes down to personality types as well and I have a really 
um, smart and inquisitive bunch of people in my team here. And I will often ask them first about things before I'll go off and, and research them online. And um, some of the most innovative campaign work that we've done here over the last couple of years has come from an idea from a, a member of my team. And then we've gone off and, and gone through the sort of methodical planning process of, of creating it. But the initial thought and the initial idea has often come from, from people here in the team. Um, so I, I find them to be a great source and uh, I'll continue to, to, to use them in that way. Wonderful. Daniel, if someone needs, to, needs help to develop integrated marketing campaigns, how can they get in touch? Um, great. Well, uh, I, I guess you can um, provide some notes alongside this uh, this podcast. But my email my um, my email address is uh, it's Daniel Heal, which is H E A L E at Way to Blue dot com. Sorry, Way I'm on Instagram as Dan Heal, so D A N H E A L E. Um, and they're probably the two best places to find me because I'm either looking at work emails or cruising around Instagram. So, um, uh, yeah, I would say people could reach out in, in either of those ways and uh, I'd be more than happy to uh, to talk at length about any of the points that we've discussed on the on the podcast. But they're all things that I'm very passionate about and, uh, uh, and believe in. Okay. Daniel, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Um, thank you, Stefan. It's been a pleasure having you on our podcast. Um, thank you. Thanks, everyone else, for listening. If you like Performance Delivered or the Performance Delivered podcast, please subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. If you want to find out more about Symphony Digital, you can visit us at symphonicdigital.com or follow us on Twitter at symphonichq. Thanks again and see you all next time. Performance Delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital. Discover audience-focused and data-driven digital marketing solutions for small and medium businesses at symphonicdigital.com.